Bibles, nowhere in particular, just open it. (laughs) Let's start at Matthew chapter number 4, book of Matthew and the fourth chapter. We've been studying the names of Jesus as they're set forth in the Bible. We started last August and we're just up to the letter L. There's so many wonderful designations for our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning and tonight and I don't know if we'll get through in morning and evening, but we're going to look at that title, that designation of Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord. It speaks of authority. It speaks of dominion. It speaks of the one who is exalted and elevated above his fellows. Jesus is referred to by this title close to 650 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. It's a lot of times. Lord Jesus is used 115 times. The, the Lord Jesus, 96 times. And the letters, for example, the letters written by the Apostle Paul, he is referred to as Jesus 17 times, the name of his humanity. But he's referred to as Lord 144 times, the name of his deity. Christians refer to Jesus as Lord. We know Him, not not on common terms as a man who walked this earth, but on, on the terms of one who is subject to the great God and the great Savior. Jesus Christ truly is our Lord. Now, let's pray together, and then we'll look at, uh, oh, maybe a dozen or so places in the Bible this morning. Uh, Father, help us to behold the wonder of this truth, that Jesus Christ truly is the Lord. And help us, Lord, in in this day and age when so many blaspheme and curse the lovely name of Jesus, help us to see and understand that He is the Lord. In His name we pray. Amen. Now the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our boys and girls sang about that in the Sunday school this morning. Our bodies need food. Our souls need the Word of God. And if all you do is feed your body and you don't feed your soul, you'll die of spiritual starvation. Verse 5, Then the devil taketh him up, that's Jesus, into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, we read in plain English that every one of us can understand that Satan is tempting Jesus. And we read here that Satan is seeking to coerce Jesus into taking a certain course of action. And Jesus' response is not, don't tempt me. Jesus' response is not, don't, don't try to get... No, his, his response was, thou shalt not tempt 
the Lord thy God. Now that's who Jesus claimed to be. If words mean anything, and they do, if the plain language of the text means what is written, Jesus Christ is claiming to be the Lord. And by the Lord, He defines His meaning as thy God. He is claiming to be the Lord who is God. Now, Satan may not recognize Jesus as the Lord, but he is Satan's Lord. Men may may not recognize Jesus as their God, but he is their God. He said, I am the Lord thy God. Keep reading. In verse number 8 again, The devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now it's written plainly in what has come to be known as the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods. That's what it says. Now, you can make a God and, and, and pretend there's another God and you can form something with your hands and pretend there's another God. You can invent something in your imagination and pretend there's another God. But the Bible says there is only one God and thou shalt have no other gods and you are to worship only the one true God. And we know that. But when Jesus came to this earth, he said, I am. That one true God, I am the Lord, I am deserving of worship, I will receive worship, and there is none other whom you should worship. What a declaration for a man to make. Now, now I'm going to say this, and, and, and you might, you might be a new Christian, you might not be a Christian at all, you might have been saved for, for 50, 60 years, but I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I say it without apology, without reservation. Either Jesus Christ was, is, and always will be the Lord. Or he had an ego far beyond what is acceptable even in the best of men. You can't say he's a good teacher if what he said was not correct. You can't say he's a prophet if what he spoke is not accurate. You can't say that he's a good man if he's a liar. He said, I am the Lord thy God. You're to worship me. You're not to worship anybody else. You're not to tempt me because I'm the Lord. That's what he said. Now, either he's the Lord or he's not worthy of anyone's trust because he's quite frankly, well, as his brother and sisters after the flesh said when he walked this earth, they said he's beside himself. He's standing here and then he's standing here. He, he doesn't know who he is. He's, he's crazy. He's schizo. That's what they said. They said, he's, he's, thou art beside thyself. Meaning, there's two of you. Well, I, you know, you got to be careful nowadays because it, it's, you know, everybody's real sensitive and about how they think about this mental health and everything because of, of what they've heard on TV and, and all that. So, so I'm being kind of careful. But I, I worked with a man for many years who really did genuinely have Multiple personalities. And when you work at the post office and you work with somebody with multiple personalities back in the day of, of going postal, we, 
When you came in the morning, they would say this guy's name, and they would say it's either a code green or a code yellow or a code red. And if they said this guy's code red, everybody planned what to do if he lost it on that particular day. Well, when he was code green, I'd like to kind of get him into the yellow territory. <laughs> We'd be working. I'd say, hey, tell me something. I said, what do you... <laughs> I said, when you got eat, you get a group discount. <laughs> I said, when you, when you call and book a tea time at a golf course, do you tell them you're a foursome? You know, but anyway, that's with apologies to, to those of you who are here with all of you this morning. I'm not trying to pick on you or be, be critical. But, but look, if you're just a man who works in a carpenter shop, but you think you're God, you got problems. If you're just a human being born of fornication when your mother was attacked by a Roman soldier and all those other lies they tell, but you think that you're the God who deserves to be worshipped, you've got problems. Now, there's no way you can sit in that university and present Jesus as a good man and a great teacher, but a man who is not God and who is not the Lord. You can't be both. Now, he claimed to be the Lord thy God. And he wasn't bragging to men. He's looking right in the face of old Lucifer, who he cast out of heaven. That's who he claimed to be. Now, let's see how he responded to those who who agreed with that teaching. John chapter number 9. Let's go to the book of John. John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. That fellow's walking out of work one day. He just He's just going to walk off the job. And he said to the supervisor on the way out, he said, he said, I just need some time to be by myself. And somebody said, I think you're way past that. <laughs> now, now I'm, not, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody here this morning. If you're here this morning. And, and I'm telling you that Jesus was either the Lord. Or he really did have some problems. Now, I want to ask you something. Do you think men who spent three and one half years with him would not have figured out he was just a lunatic if that's what he was? Do you think those men, after he died upon that cross and rose from the dead, would have gone to the ends of the earth and allowed themselves to be tortured and martyred for someone who is a fraud and an imposter, not a chance. Not a chance. And so, so Jesus Christ, I believe, and millions of others have long believed and, and have been satisfied by the life-changing results of believing that He is the Lord that He claimed to be. And that's what, that's what annoys people. They don't mind a Jesus who just taught some things. And they don't mind a Jesus who, who said some, some really cool stuff that he stole from philosophers. But a Jesus who is the Lord? That means somebody who says, you're not getting to heaven unless I let you in. You're not right unless you agree with me. That Jesus is very troublesome to a, to a world of many gods and many philosophies. Alright, John chapter 9. Here's a man that was blind from birth, but Jesus gave him his sight. And the Bible says in verse number 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? 
And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now let me ask you something. If Jesus is a good man and a great teacher, and the, and the first command in the ten is you are not to worship any other God. Correct? Now you explain to me how a good man lets a man bow down and worship him without saying to that man, get up, that's incorrect. You can thank me, you can shake my hand, you can hug my neck, you can tell me how appreciative you are of my giving giving you sight after you've been blind all these years. You cannot worship me. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only. That's what Jesus correctly quoted Matthew 4, 7. Correctly quoted Matthew 4, 10. And now you turn a page and He's letting a man worship Him. Not unless He's the Lord thy God. But He is the Lord and He is thy God. And it is proper for men to worship Him. Now take a look at what the Bible says in John 13. John chapter number 13. Did Jesus speak the truth? I believe that He did. You have to make your own decision on that. I believe he spoke the truth. The Bible says in John chapter 13 and verse 13, Jesus said, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, you know what he just said? I am. That's me. Your Lord. You're looking for the Lord? I'm the Lord. You call me the Lord? You say I'm your Lord? You're right. You are correct. I am the Lord. Okay. Amen. Praise praise God. I believe that. I hope you believe that. Now, let, 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 let's just say something. We live in a day when man are preeminently concerned with the opinions of other men. It's true. And Christians don't want to be so forceful in their agreement with Jesus Christ because so many people don't see it that way. And because so many people on their job think Jesus is just, you know, co-equal with Muhammad or Buddha or Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or, you know, he's just, he's just one of the many great gods in our universe. They don't want to say what the Bible says, that Jesus is the Lord. That Muhammad will bow to him. That Confucius will bow to him. That popes and pastors and priests will bow to him because it's, it's too unsettling for their co-workers and their classmates. And knowing that people feel that way, the majority of ministers will stand in a pulpit this morning and they will water down Jesus until there's nothing left of him but just kind of a general all-around good guy who would never disagree with you about anything. I'm telling you, unless you do not acknowledge Him as the Lord, you do not say well. 
Jesus said in, in John 13, 13, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. Jesus Christ is the one before whom every gold medal winner will bow. Jesus Christ is the one before whom every millionaire will bow. Jesus Christ, the one before whom everyone who's ever drawn a breath will bow. He is the Lord. And there's, 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 look, it even creeps into our evangelism. Well, wouldn't you like to know Jesus? What well, depends on who he is? Because a lot of people would like to know the Jesus who will get them a yacht, or the Jesus who will heal their body, or the Jesus that will just ignore everything they're doing in the dark. But, but the Bible wants you to believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ. That's a different situation. Look in, look in John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20. Jesus Christ, that's just, if you're here today, this is the day. He's the Lord. Now, He's wonderful. He's the Counselor. He's the Mighty God. He's the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lamb. He's, he's all of those things, but He's the Lord. He's the Lord. And he, he doesn't get enough recognition as being the Lord from saved people, much less lost people. John chapter 20, He's risen from the dead. And the Bible says in verse number 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger to the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. He's alive. He's healed. But his body is not whole. It still bears the print of the nails. It still bears the the open wound where the spear pierced his side. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord. And my God. Now, is he a great teacher? If Jesus is a great teacher, and Thomas is is that wrong, now's the time to correct him. If Jesus is a great teacher, we don't want that going on the record so that 2,000 years later, a group of people in a church in Deland, Florida, think Thomas had it right if he didn't. A great teacher doesn't pass you if you don't pass the test, Bible school students. A, a, a great teacher doesn't give you a social promotion. If you're wrong, he's going to correct you. Thomas says, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know what he just said? Good for you, Thomas. You got it right. I am your Lord. And I am your God. And you should believe on me. And blessed is everyone who without having seen the print of the nails in his hands, that's you, 
And without having seen the spear hole in his side, that's you. Blessed are you for believing he is the Lord and he is God because that's who he is. Now, there's no denying that's what Jesus claimed. There's no denying that's what the man who knew him and followed him believed him to be. And there's no denying that that's what the Holy Spirit of God recorded in the Holy Bible for us to believe this very morning. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And if you say that, you say well. Alright, let's look at Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. We like to take the time to turn to these pages in the Bible because people have heard so many things and, and, and quite honestly, preachers and And pastors and ministers say so many things. We want to make sure that our information is correct from the Bible. Alright, so in Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Saul is persecuting the early church. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Okay, now, now. The light is shining from heaven. A voice is speaking from heaven. And he falls to the earth, hear the voice. Saul, so I persecute thou me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Now, look, who's going to shine a light from heaven? The Lord. Who's going to speak from heaven? The Lord. And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. Now, it's, it'd be one thing for a man to walk around on this earth and claim to be the Lord. But if he did, he would die, he'd be buried, that'd be the end of him. He'd just be one more fellow walking around in robes. He'd just be one more fellow with, with a, uh, you know, too big for his britches, and, and that'd be the end of him. But this one who claimed to be the Lord died and was buried and rose again and ascended to heaven. And when heaven opens and the light shines down from heaven, and when the Lord speaks from heaven, guess who it is? It's Jesus. Now, I was working. I, 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 th- things, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, I graduated from College back in the day, 1979, you can do the math. Well, that was one time. <laughs> my dad thought I was going to do nothing but go to school all my life, and I would have if the grants hadn't run out. But anyway, so I graduated from college and had my degree, and found out that what you can do with a degree in English is get a job teaching English at college, but they weren't hiring. So I got a job at a convenience store working the midnight shift. Higher education, it pays. <laughs> so this fellow came in there one night, he had on his white robe, and he had a, a like a some sort of a scarf thing on his head with a rope around it, and he's, he's got a little stick and sandals on, and he, he walked in, he, he, he said, bless you, my brother, bless you. I said, thanks a lot. And he said, uh, he said uh, bless you, my brother, I would like a large coffee. And I said, great, it's, I don't remember the price back in the day, it's probably a quarter or something, that's, a, you know, 79, it's a long time ago. I said, that's would be 50 cents. And he said, oh no, brother, it's for the Lord. I said, I said, there's no doubt in my mind the Lord can afford 50 cents. 
And when I said that, that guy dropped the whole, the entire holy man routine and started cussing me out because I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give him free coffee. I said, get on out of the store. And ran him off. Now, you know what? It's one thing to pretend you're the Lord. It's another thing to die, rise again, and ascend to heaven and shine a light from glory brighter than the noonday sun. You can claim to be whoever you want to claim to be. But Jesus backed it up. He conquered death. He walked out of the grave alive. Eyewitnesses saw him ascend into heaven. And some eyewitnesses are going to see him come back real, real soon. He's the Lord. Praise God. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. So here's what we do. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now I'll tell you who did get free stuff one night in a convenience store. This lady came in elderly lady, and she came shuffling in. She walked around, got a few items, and she put them on the counter, and I rang it up, and I told her how much it was, it was you know, $2 and some change, something like that. And that lady, she, she leaned her elbow on the counter, and she slipped off her shoe, and she reached down inside her sock, and she pulled out three $1 bills and laid them on the counter. And I said, you know what? I'll buy it. <laughs> you keep your three dollars you can take what's on the counter it's on me I, I wasn't about to touch that, that money who knows how long it had been in that woman's sock then I thought to myself she probably shops all over town those same three bucks <laughs> she'd she, she been living on those three dollars for ten years man. So, filthy yeah filthy lucre <laughs> Oh, all right. Second Corinthians chapter four, the Bible says in verse number five, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves for your servant's sake. Now, we don't just preach Christ, though he is the Messiah. And we don't just preach Jesus, though he was born of a virgin, he did live a sinless life and he died on the cross. But we preach that Christ Jesus is the Lord. Amen. And you put all you want on your in your newspaper articles and your your Facebook stuff and your letters to the editor on your blogs and all that about people following a cult leader and 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 mindless minions following a preacher and everything else. You show me one person who's ever stood on a street corner in this town and preached, follow my pastor. You show me one person who's ever given somebody a gospel tract that said, follow our pastor. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. And we'll tell you Jesus loved you and Jesus died for you and Jesus paid for your sin and Jesus give you eternal life. And that was true before I was born. It'd be true after I'm dead and buried. It's Christ Jesus that we preach. But we don't just preach Jesus. We preach that Jesus is the Lord. And that's what bothers a coexist crowd. See, this Jesus, he's got something to say about where you're spending the night. He's got something to say about who you're hanging out with. 
He's got something to say about how you entertain yourself. He's got something to say about the language you use. See, this Jesus that doesn't interfere with your sin, he's socially acceptable. But this Jesus who is the Lord, he upsets people. You don't believe it, just tell them how good he is. All right, so, he's the Lord, thy God. He claimed it. He received worship as God. He ascended as God. He spoke from heaven as God. Now, let's take a look at Matthew 7 and Luke 13. Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 13. Let me say to our new church members, Matthew 7, Luke 13. I'm at a great disadvantage living in this day and age, this generation, because... I still preach the Bible. That's what they used they used to call them preachers because they preach the Bible. And so people hear preach they go to church and they hear preaching it's like well that's that's so dogmatic that's so it's so in your face. But you don't object to that when you watch the news at night. Well, um and now it's time for the nightly news. Well, we think we think that a store was robbed today, but we really we don't want to be dogmatic about it. But there are some people who believe that a store was robbed today, but, but we're not sure. Now let's go to the live on-scene report. Well, uh, we don't want to judge, but maybe there might have been a robbery today, but, you know, there's different people see it different ways. And well, back to you. You wouldn't watch a newscast that wasn't dogmatic. So you turn it off and you turn on a football game. And the announcer says, well, I think he might have the ball. He, he could be dropping back to pass, but we're not sure. Uh, well, it seems like he just threw the ball, but we don't want to judge because he might have just dropped it a long way. <laughs> that commentator says, and there he goes, he's running through the line, he's going to score! Well, why does he have to yell? <laughs> Just depends on what you're interested in. Turn on, you know, ladies turn on the TV in the afternoon. Here's four or five gals sitting around for a for a gab fest, and 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 now our next guest used to be a man, <laughs> and now here she is, <laughs> Henrietta. Woo! And the whole audience, the whole crowd, shouts and screams and hollers and. Then people go to church and somebody says, Amen, praise the Lord. What are they yelling about? If a crowd can yell on Ellen Degenerate for a movie star, we can yell in church about Jesus. It's just, it's just you know, perspective. Anyway, that's my self-defense for the morning. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. Look at Luke 13. That's heaven. How about the kingdom? Luke 13. Verse 24, 
Strive to enter at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and, uh, to, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not, whence you are. So, here's two cases. One, people trying to get in heaven. One, people trying to get in the kingdom. In both cases, they say, Lord, Lord. But it's, it's, it's a phrase they use. It's a term they use. And it might be a term of respect, or it might just be a careless use of the word. I grew up in the South, as many of you did, and it's not uncommon to hear somebody, uh, you know, with a with a beer in his hand, is rocking on the chair on the front porch, talking about the good Lord. I sure thank the good Lord for letting me shoot those three possums last night, and, and uh, right. But, and people say, well, you know, I just thank the Lord for a beautiful day. Well, look, that's better than cursing Him. But just because you speak respectfully of Jesus doesn't mean that you're saved. Because you do good works, because you think the Lord would have you do good works, doesn't mean that you're saved. He didn't deny they had done many wonderful works in His name. He just said, I never knew you. We never had a personal relationship. I'm not denying that you recognize that I am some sort of superior or even supreme being, but you never came to me for salvation. And now that the door is shut, and now that it's too late, you want me to open the door to you, but it's those, those weren't the terms. Because I'm the Lord, there are some rules that are in place, and you violated them. So... He is the Lord, and it's better to call Him the Lord than it is to curse His name. But just calling Him Lord doesn't save the soul. Just calling Him Lord doesn't result in sins being forgiven. Now, now, rapidly, Romans 10 and Acts 2. Romans chapter 10 and Acts chapter 2. Let's see what Paul and Peter had to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. With regard to this matter of salvation. Romans 10. And Acts chapter number 2. In Acts 2 the Bible says in verse 21. And it shall come to pass. That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, now. Think about this. If I, if I go into to a restaurant and, I, and, and, and the waiter says, what would you like? And I say, I would like a bagel. Do you suppose, do you suppose I'm likely to get a bagel? That's what I asked for. Fair enough. I walk in, I walk in the department store and I say, what are you looking for? I say, well, can, can somebody get me a, 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 a pair of shoes? I'm likely to be taken to the part of the department store where the shoes are. Okay? Now, the fact that you were sick once and asked the Lord to heal you, the fact that you were unemployed once and asked the Lord to give you a job, the fact that you had family troubles once and you asked the Lord to fix them, how does that save your soul? You never ask 
the Lord to save your soul. You never called on the Lord for the saving of your soul. And so, I, I meet people all the time. I talk to people all the time. I say, are you saved? Well, I don't know. What does that mean? Well, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, I pray to the good Lord all the time. Well, you might have. And the, and the Lord's done so many wonderful things for me. He has for all of us. But when did you call upon Him to be saved? See, you have not because you ask not. He would save you from your sins, but every time somebody ever brought up the fact that you were a sinner, you got all offended and angry and bent out of shape, and you never called on the Lord to be saved. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter number 10 and verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord... Over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so what do we have here? A need for righteousness. What do we have here? A need for salvation. What do we have here? A need for forgiveness. Have you ever acknowledged with your mouth and believed in your heart that the Lord Jesus is the one who saves and forgives unrighteous people? Having done that, did you call on Him to receive that forgiveness? Did you call on Him to receive that salvation? If you did, He will save you. But if you didn't do that, you'll not be saved. Now, come to Luke 23 quickly. Luke chapter 23. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a really sad, sad story, sad situation. And it's true of children, but it's also true of adults. In ministering throughout this community to boys and girls... Many of them from horrific family situations. If you're here this morning with mom and dad and grandparents, you ought to just thank the Lord. Because everybody doesn't have that. And, and there's just some bad situations out there. Now listen, we minister, we, we explain to these boys and girls what Jesus did. How he died, paid for sins, and how he rose from the dead. How you could have eternal life through Jesus. And how if you'd call on the Lord, he would save you. And then after explaining that clearly, you talk to the boys and girls. Do you know Jesus died on the cross? Oh yes, they believe that. Do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? Oh yes, I believe that. Would you like to trust the Lord? And here's what they'll say. If I pray to Jesus, will my daddy come home? If I pray to Jesus, will mommy get out of prison? If I pray to Jesus, will those men quit bringing those drugs into our house? If I pray to Jesus, will, will mommy's boyfriend quit beating her? Listen, nobody can blame a child for wanting the Lord to solve those kind of problems. But that's not salvation. And across America this morning, adults are in church hoping that Jesus can save their marriage. And He can. 
hoping that Jesus can deliver them from financial ruin. And he could. Hoping that Jesus can can deliver them from their addiction to alcohol or narcotics. And he can. But if he does all that and you never trust him for salvation, he's given you a better life, but you're not saved. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord for righteousness, for forgiven, shall be saved. That's what, that's what we read in the Bible. Now, to what extent? In Luke 23, here is a man dying. Capital, ca- capital crime. He is being put to death by the Roman government for crimes against humanity. And as he is dying, this man turns and says in verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This man has lived such a terrible life, the state is executing him. This man is about to breathe his last breath. No church to join, no baptism to receive, no good deeds to enact. He's going to die within an hour. And he calls on the Lord, and he's saved. That's what the Lord does. He saves sinners. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sister Toma told me this morning, they got just a a brief word that came from the Holtz in Sierra Leone. And just in the last few days... One of the prostitutes to whom they've been witnessing has trusted Christ as her Savior. And her life is so changed that it's opened doors of opportunity to minister the gospel to many, many... Now now listen. So I don't think the Lord could save somebody like that. You don't know Him. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He can save a dying thief. He can save a harlot. He can save anybody who will come to Him by faith believing. And those that stand at the door and knock after it's too late because they never came to Him, those are the only ones He can't save. He can't save those that don't trust Him. And so, let's finish here. Acts 11. He saved that dying thief. Acts 11. The Bible says in verse 17, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now you know what just happened here? Peter's seen all these Jews. Peter's a Jew who trusted Jesus. And he's been preaching to Jews. And now the Lord says, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile. His skin's a different color than yours. His diet's different than yours. His culture's different than yours. Well, Lord, what do I, what do I tell a, a man of another nationality, another race? What do I tell him? Tell him the same thing you told the Jews. I'm the Lord. I died, I was buried, I rose again. If they'll call upon me, I'll save them. And Peter told them that. They called on the Lord, and he saved them. Whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, good, got your attention. There is not one verse of Scripture that says, Whosoever shall call upon the great teacher shall be saved. There's not one verse of Scripture that says, Whosoever shall call upon the prophet shall be saved. There's not one verse of Scripture that says, Whosoever shall call upon the good man shall be saved. You have got to trust the Lord in order to be saved. Jesus is not one among many. He's the one. He is the Lord thy God. He came into this world to pay for our sins, and He did. He rose from the dead that He might give us everlasting life, and He will. But you've got to call upon Him for salvation. If you're here this morning, and many times you've called on God, and many times He's helped you, or strengthened you, or healed you, or encouraged you, isn't He wonderful? But when have you called on Him for the saving of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus saves, but it's the Lord Jesus to whom you must come. Amen. Father, help us this morning.